Hey everyone, you're in good traffic. Thank you so much, first and foremost, for the time today, for joining us here each and every week. If you're a new listener, welcome to welcome to the traffic. Um, we're, we're trying to do things cliche around here, so I'm going to keep saying that until it sticks. But I'm joined today by a very special guest, someone that we've been trying to schedule a conversation, the two of us, for a few weeks now. And we're finally here. We finally have uh, gotten on each other's calendars properly. And, and we missed each other for a potential in-person interaction a couple of weeks ago as well. But um, all that aside, super excited that we finally get to have this conversation. I'm joined today by the man that you've probably seen leading some very interesting videos on TikTok. If you're anywhere around the, the urbanism and urban design space, um, as I figure a lot of you are, have you seen massive groups of exuberant, happy children biking down a street to some awesome music recently. You've seen the bike bus, and you've probably seen, if you're in North America and the United States, the bike bus that takes place in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined today by the individual who's leading that bike bus each and every week, Coach Balto, Sam Balto. Thank you so much for being in good traffic today and joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. I see the t-shirt for those listening. Uh, it's a it's a good bike bus shirt. I, I'm hoping that you're selling those somewhere so we can link that down below. If not, I'm excited for the day that happens. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's on our list of things to do. Awesome. I can't wait. So first of all, um, kind of walk people through in case they haven't seen the viral sensation that has become the bike bus as of late that's been covered in news around the country that, you know, obviously you are, are, are putting out in a wonderful story told way on your TikTok, Um, and that is also being echoed, but also just, you know, led in different ways in different places around the world. Can you just walk folks through kind of what is the bike bus and, and what makes it so special? Yeah, so um, a bike bus is an organized bike ride to school on a designated route with designated meeting times. We do it every week at our school on Wednesdays. And as a phys ed teacher, I'm always looking for ways to increase opportunities for physical activity and joy and building community. And I'd seen some bike bus videos in Barcelona and then Hood River in San Francisco, and I wanted to try it at my school. And so we did our first bike bus uh, two years ago. We had 75 kids. It was a huge success. And I kind of haven't had a choice but to keep doing it every week. So it has grown exponentially since then. And our videos, I have a little Insta360 camera that goes on the top of my helmet. And I'll post videos weekly. And they, people love them. And it you know, brings a lot of joy and excitement. The student transportation, people love the story of children thriving since the pandemic and just, you know, seeing the excitement of kids riding their bikes to school, floating on an ocean of joy is like, as they like to say, um, and just listening to good tunes. Uh, it's really been incredible to see how many bike buses have sort of spurred from people seeing our videos. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I've had a lot of folks who I never expected to be mentioning, you know, urbanism and urban planning sort of conversations, uh, mentioning the bike bus with me or sending me videos saying, have you seen this? And it's like, yes, I have seen it and I will continue to <laughs> continue to watch them. So they're going to keep showing it to me. So I think it's really interesting how um, 
things like what you're doing are so important to the good traffic conversation, the larger urbanism conversation, because they are accessible to individuals who wouldn't have otherwise been part of a more technical conversation. What I really want to continue to reinforce and do with this platform and this show is to have conversations around things and avenues for folks to get involved with this world where they don't necessarily know they're signing up to be part of this, you know, whether we want to be dramatic and call it a revolution or just more this curiosity and this movement towards creating more human-centered and people-centric spaces, built environments, and ultimately transportation options. And I think that's what's happening a lot. One thing I always think about when I am watching one of your videos is I see a lot of parents that are there alongside of the kids that also look, you know, just as happy to be there as, as the kids often do. And so one thing I've always wanted to ask you about is how have some of those parent interactions gone? What are some of the things if you if you would share that maybe some parents have said to you, you know, about their surprise or their engagement into that whole kind of world and conversation, realizing how great it is to be able to ride to school or ride to work, maybe for them stress-free and kind of in this very safe environment. Yeah. I mean, something I think we need to, there's a lot of layers to this, but something we need to understand is that the current state of student transportation is, with driving your kids to school, you know, this expectation of like hyper safety and to be a good parent means you have to shield your child from all bad experiences creates this vicious cycle where to be a good parent means you should drive your kid to school. And that school car lines, driving your kids to school, it's soul crushing. It's a not enjoyable experience. Um, and if you disagree, go check out school pickup lines on TikTok. And it's all these parents complaining and trying to make the best, but usually not, of a really bad situation. And I think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you know, the isolation, you know, of children and families and this, the bike bus as an opportunity to bring everyone together. Mm. And I really sometimes have this like hard battle with myself where the goal of the bike bus is to not exist and for our children to have this independence. And at the same time, parents really love it. And they love yeah. seeing their children being a part of a community again. They love being a part of a community again. They love riding their bikes. They love the music and seeing, you know, other adult friends. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's what it's about. It's about bringing community together. Um, you know, joy does not happen when we're all driving our children individually in cars. Right. Uh, another bike bus leader said, you know, out of car experiences where the magic happens. And I really think that's totally true. I mean, you're not gonna create strong school communities by every family driving their children individually to school. Mm, yeah, and that's, I'm so glad you brought the conversation there because that's exactly where I was kind of curious to go, to go next as well. And the sense of, I'm a believer that the greatest part of creating more non-car reliant spaces and, and modes of transportation is yes, potentially parents and grownups and adults don't have to drive as much. But what it also means is kids don't aren't required to be taken places via car as often. 
So therefore, mm-hmm. it goes back to the parent side of thing that their time is also freed up, right? So like by freeing up and empowering children to be truly autonomous in the way they move, we're freeing up entire families to have hours in their day back alongside of the safety and all the other you know pieces to this that you also mentioned. So with, with that, have you personally felt kind of a change in in your life since you've begun to partake in biking more, whether it be to work or other places that you go on a daily basis. I don't know if you come from a background where this has always been part of your routine, um, but I'd imagine it's become more so as, as you've really gotten deeper into this um, in the last couple of years here. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I don't know what the term is like, I'm a very like functional bike rider where it's like, I don't want to drive a car, like get a second car because it costs a lot of money. Usually like transit is a slower option and bike riding is just like the most logical way for me to go. Um, I also have two little kids and I have an urban aero cargo bike. So, you know, putting them in a bike and getting them to daycare and getting them to school, I just, you know, for myself, I show up as a much calmer, more present father. And I think just for like how I want to move about in spaces, like I like to do that on a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. And has that always been the case for you? Has that been a thing that's developed over time? I think it's developed over time. I mean, I've always liked riding bikes. Yeah. I think when I'm given the opportunity, I do it. Um, But also it sort of depends on like, with what city I'm living in and stuff. And I definitely, you know, notice that when I go to the suburbs back to where I grew up, like I drive a lot more Mm. and I definitely don't enjoy that as much. But when I'm in cities, I love to ride bikes and take public transit. Yeah. And I think that brings up an interesting point about the bike bus as well. And your instance of it being in Portland, right? Which I think has this reputation of being this fantastic cycling city, especially by North American standards. What would you say, or maybe you have examples of in other cities and maybe other suburbs and other places where biking isn't such a integrated part of culture in that city, or even it's not as expected, even by those who don't cycle, you know, the presence of cyclists isn't as expected. Have you had any conversations with folks in other places about how they can um, create similar environments, but in a more, um, car-centered space that might be their roadways than, than you might find in a place like Portland? And if so, kind of how is that, how is that played out? Yeah, I think there's this, um, I always talk about this example of like hardware and software hmm. where the hardware is the physical infrastructure and the software is the social infrastructure. Um, Portland, you know, for America's standards has, you know, good biking rates and we have the highest amount of bike buses per capita, we like to say, but that's because we have a network of called neighborhood greenways, which are preferred walking and biking routes and our safe route to school network. And they have traffic calming like speed bumps and signage and diverters. And so it makes it a lot easier to create biking route maps and to lead bike buses. In cities that you know don't have that infrastructure, I'd like to give the example of Montclair, New Jersey, a suburb of New York, you know, in a very short amount of time, they have built a incredibly impressive bike bus 
you know, just off of social infrastructure, you know, just creating a map and people showing up for each other. It's been well researched that more people riding bikes together makes it safer for everyone. Um, so you're sort of creating this critical mass of children and families biking to school, which thus gets more children and families biking to school because it normalizes it. And you start getting that, you know, culture change and more people, kids are learning how to ride bikes because their friends are riding bikes. And now it's the cool thing to do. And now hopefully, you know, in Montclair and other cities, but like Montclair, for example, the physical infrastructure starts showing up and their leaders respond to this demand that was created in a very, you know, it's not like this demand has always been there. It just needs an opportunity to come out. And I think there's this very like chicken or egg. Well, if we build the infrastructure, like are people going to come? The bike bus movement is showing the demand. And now it's a call to our leaders to create the safe infrastructure. You know, bike buses, as wonderful and joyful as they are, also are a humongous band-aid and, you know, signal that of our failed transportation system. And so I often say, if we play our cards right, one day bike buses won't need to exist because it will just be the norm of riding bikes to school, riding bikes to friends' houses, going to jobs, you know, everywhere. And there's a safe infrastructure to justify that. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's anytime you have a critical mass of cyclists, it demonstrates demand. I think it also shows how little space we need to move such a high volume of people. Like that's the thing, you know, we've all seen the diagrams of one car, how much room it takes up. There's one person there. If you have, you know, that same, you know, spatial area full of cyclists, how many people are being moved by that same amount of space. And that's something that always sticks out to me when I watch your videos is, you know, we're taking up the entire roadway in, in one of these neighborhoods. But the amount of people that we are moving in that space would otherwise require like 10 times as much. And I think that's something that the more we can keep visually reinforcing for folks on the outside of this conversation, like that is a huge piece that I think is really easily, you don't have to be convinced of that. You know, it's very visually and easily recognizable um, when you see, you know, your pack moving down the road as they do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about good traffic, like, you know, waiting to cross the street with 150 children riding bikes to school, like, that's the best kind of traffic you could be, you know, waiting for. And I think it's this thing where people are like, oh, if I got stuck behind that, like, oh, I'd be late for work. You're like, one, you should always give yourself more time. Two, this world is not just about you. And like three, think about more people than just like yourself in your car. And all of these children that are riding bikes to school could easily be children sitting in cars with their parents driving and you'd still be stuck in traffic. And you wouldn't think anything of it because it's just like everyday car traffic, which uh, isn't great. Yeah, it's like maybe you could take one of the other dozens of roads that head the same direction that aren't a neighborhood greenway to, to work. Maybe that would work out first of all, but you know, but also yeah, I think, exactly. it, I think it, yeah, no. And, and I think what you also bring up is, you know, this idea of 
I I've always been a believer since I started thinking about the world and streets and space allocation and cities the way that you know we do is car drivers and automobile operators and you know even the most religious and 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 uh, reliable of them the ones that will day in and day out be driving that car to and from their destination to me those folks are logically should be the greatest supporter of bike infrastructure and, and and things like that because it actually makes your drive safer because you're not at risk of hitting someone right and and seriously causing a massive problem you have less like you just said less people to wait behind because a bike takes up a lot less space than a car does which they would otherwise likely be traveling via and so i've always found that to be a fascinating thing where to your point, you bring up kind of the idea of selfishness, right? So much so that we're not even able to understand that maybe what would be in our best interest is actually creating space and safety for the other, which actually helps ourselves in that case. And so I think, again, what you're yeah. doing is a visual representation of so many of these things. Was that, or maybe the better question is, when did you decide to turn the video camera on? for these moments and for these weekly kind of rides that were at one point more of an experiment and now have become a mainstay. Like when did you realize there's visual power and just the simple happening of this thing? I don't even have to create anything. It's already existing. I just got to capture it and, and tell it to the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I, there was a viral video in the fall. I was, I think it was 2022. Um, no, it was fall 2021. A, a bike bus in Barcelona. And I mean, it went, you know, really viral, like several million views on Twitter and other, you know, social media. And it's like, you see that video, you know, it's sort of funny. I've never watched the whole thing. I literally just watched like three seconds of it. I was like, yeah. that's it. I get it. This is what we should be doing in our world. And so I think I've always just been a visual person and yeah. other people respond that way. And I think once you see that something is possible, then you want to go and create it. And so, um, I mean, you should see my like social media like messages. It's just filled with people wanting to start bike buses, asking yeah. questions about them, tagging me in bike buses that have been started because they've seen my videos. And I think that's the beauty of social media. You know, there's a lot of mixed things, but like in terms of the good of social media, it's sharing, you know, these joyful, positive ideas that can really positively impact communities. Sure, sure. Yeah, what you kind of are starting to make me think of how how can you, as the leader of kind of this idea and movement, at least in, in a good portion of this country, how are you maybe going about bottling it, packaging it, making it so that this is something that could be, you know, step and repeated over and over in different places? Like, is there a way you've maybe you've done it so far or you're thinking about doing it like that you can actually package this to make it really seamless for other folks to try it if they don't maybe have the confidence or the experience, um, even just riding a bike or, or leading a movement like this? Yeah, we're um, it's definitely something I've thought about a lot. And I usually send people to my link tree, which has articles and webinars, but I think there's a group of us that are starting a national organization called Bike Bus World. You can find us at bikebus.world. It's nice. our website. And I think 
really trying to be the clearinghouse space for people who are interested in starting bike buses. And, you know, there's a lot of manuals that you could find, but I'm a very visual person. So creating like good quality TikTok style videos that are just like very like, you want to do this, you do this, then you do this, then you do this. So um, I think that is going to be one of our goals is just trying to encourage more people and to provide the support that they might need. But I think when it comes down to it, it's like, find someone else, find another family, find another parent, find a spot, you know, a meeting spot that works for you, create a time and a route, and then share that with their community and rinse and repeat. And, you know, just keep going at it. And you might need to adjust it and tweak it, be very inclusive. And it works for a lot of people. Very cool. Yeah. And and you had mentioned yeah. earlier this idea of signaling to maybe some city representatives and decision makers and more folks on the technical side. Um, maybe that's planners. Maybe that's literally city government. Maybe that's, you know, other folks that are involved, developers, engineers, whoever it may be. How about folks reaching out to you from those constituency groups? Obviously, I can imagine the support has been very overwhelmingly positive from uh, the bulk of people that reach out to you. But what about folks like that, the folks that you maybe have an eye out to to you know start to maybe catalyze some conversations with and actually maybe get in some rooms with around some of what you're you're continuing to build on? Have any of those folks reached out to you or um, shown any sort of interest or curiosity in what you're doing, either in Portland or beyond? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know I've met with like the Boston Public Schools superintendent to talk about student transportation. Uh, former, I used to live in Boston, so I'm close to you know the community there. The current mayor of Boston, Mayor Michelle Wu, I helped her with her student transportation policy. Um, but a lot of this is like grassroots. You know, it's sort of like. It needs to come from the top and the bottom. Hopefully, you know, it comes more from, you know, a, a lot of this can come top down. You know, I sort of say, uh, you know, bike buses sort of in this current iteration, you know, it's volunteerism, which I always say is an, uh, volunteer, volunteerism is inequitable and unsustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, you're required, you know, it's relying on parents to volunteer. And in Oregon, we just passed a bill called the Bike Bus Bill, which gives schools flexibility in how they spend their student transportation funds. Oh, very cool. So this is, yeah, it was like to pass a bill in any state is incredibly hard. Uh, It was an amazing team effort with some incredible champions. um, And I'm really proud of it. So most states when it comes to student transportation funds, it's, they should be called school bus funds because mm. that's what the money can go to. But, you know, school buses are an amazing service and we should fund them and pay school bus drivers. But sometimes communities need different services like a crossing guard or a walking school bus leader, or maybe a bike bus is a better tool. But, uh, you know, the way it's funded in a lot of states is you can only, the only tool you get is a school bus. Yeah. Um, and so this would give school districts more flexibility to serve their uh, constituents, you know, the students and families. That's I think, very you know, when it comes to like, no, that was huge. I'm, uh, we should just probably pause for a moment or just like appreciate the magnitude of that. Um, yeah. 
But when it comes to, you know, doing this anywhere, it's like I say it takes five things. You need to teach kids how to ride bikes. You need to give kids bikes. LeBron James did that at his school. You need to create safe infrastructure routes. You need to pay adults to lead bike bus routes to and from school. And you need to provide secure storage in where people live. So in like apartment buildings and stuff. I got a student in Portland who said she wanted a bike. And then when we reached out to her parents to like get her a bike, because we had one, um, her parents couldn't take it because there was no room in their apartment building. Hmm. And so it's like really important to be able to provide, you know, on ground level bike storage. And so it's like, we can do all five of those things individually. Like you can do all five of those. Now it just takes money and political will to put them all together and we could do them anywhere. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And a lot of times, whether it be the network between those five things or the network between the the literal infrastructure, it, it seems to be that is the barrier that a lot of us are, are banging on the door of or trying to figure out how to navigate, which is how do we not only have these really cool flash in the pan isolated moments and, and, and instances and even infrastructure again, but how do we connect it to each other? You know, you see all the time, you'll yeah. see a great little bike lane somewhere and you don't see anybody riding at it. And, and that's what folks will criticize, but then you go two blocks down the road and it ends into a massive, you know, eight lane street. And it's like, ah, that's why nobody's riding it. Great example of flash in the pan. If you just looked at that one street, you're like, this is a great bike lane. This is going to solve problems. It doesn't go anywhere. The network's not there. The connection between those five points you mentioned, it's a little bit of a different story. So I think that is a really fascinating thing as it pertains to what you're doing. Cause like you said, relying on volunteers to create something that is going to impact an entire city or an entire country or state or whatever, you know, like the, the scale of it, right. That you, we, like you said, you can't expect that to be, um, the way that this goes. Right. I think it, I think it has to find an, another scalable way to do it. And it sounds like you're, you're way ahead of the curve and, and starting to think about those things. And that's awesome. What, what your state has done. I'm curious in that same kind of vein, how do you think your role as a teacher has played a role in this, right? Cause you kind of have this built in trust from students and almost a factor of, if you say something, it might make them think in a way that their parents might not be able to, because, you know, we, we all kind of have, you know, with our parents, a little bit of a different stasis when it comes to listening as a child and, and, you know, with teachers that we respect, like that's a little bit of a different story. And sometimes we look up to them. How do you think that has maybe helped you in what you've been doing? And do you think there's a little bit of a secret sauce there to like teachers being the ones that are the grassroots side of this in communities around the United States? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is, um, I'm always very careful around this because I never want to tell teachers they need to do more. You know, every teacher sort of has their, like, their passion project, you know, whatever unit it is or extracurricular thing that that's, like, really brings out the joy in them. And all teachers do amazing things. This just happens to be mine. Um, But I definitely do think that, like, schools are the environment to sort of support these types of initiatives. And, you know, you're spot on that we do have that built-in trust with the students. 
And students have the power because if a kid wants something and you give them the tools to sort of explain why it's important, you know, why is it important to get more physical activity before school kids? You do better academically. You get in trouble less. You have better social relationships. You feel better. You get sick less. You live longer. You know, it's like all tying into, you know, what it means to be, you know, physically literate. And then like the kids then go home and say, mom, like I need to do the bike bus because it's a great opportunity for me to get physical activity before school and build my independence. You know, and like a parent will tell me that I'm like, oh my God, Atticus literally just parroted what I said. You know, it's like, they listen, but they're like, they're advocating for themselves. They're advocating for their health, which is like, you get an A plus, like, that's exactly what you should be doing yeah. in your life is like, this is your life. Like you need to make the most out of it. And, you know, having that trust with families is a really good way to be like, all right, you know, Brad's mom, like, I know you love doing the bike bus, but like Brad's in fourth grade and like, he's a pretty confident bike rider. Like, what if you like bike with him to the meeting spot and then you leave and then you go to school just to make sure Brad makes it because you got us, you know, your mama bear, I get it. But then like, now, you know, Brad can make it to school in the safe environment. And now like right. Brad can go from his house to meet to school and that's like really important for building your independence. Um, absolutely. So sort I of like a that. long way. Schools, absolutely important. I'm really trying to engage with phys ed teachers, not even to like lead them, but like, hey, any parents that are interested in doing this, like I have these specific things that I'm really good at doing as a PE teacher that I can incorporate into class to sort of help bolster awareness of a bike bus. Um, yeah. And also yeah. like you could fund a position, which is like a champ, a transportation, a safe routes to school champion mm. at a school or like at two schools and they do bike education, pedestrian education. They, you know, do STEM projects and paint traffic gardens at the school and help organize, you know, walking school buses and bike buses. That would be something that'd be really cool to, you know, uh, have a, uh, you know, piloted and tried out. Yeah. And, and I think what you're speaking to there is the microcosm of what has been an understanding and realization for me as I've gotten older, which is like everything is intertwined with this whole urban planning thing. Everything is intertwined with this urban design conversation. And to your point, yeah. why couldn't we scale that down or not even down, but just scale it over to the education environment and being like, hey, there is a there's a STEM approach to this conversation. There's an arts approach to this conversation. There's a PE approach, a physical activity approach to this. It's actually a, a solvent for a lot of like, I think what yeah. we're trying to find, and you could probably speak to this better than I, but it seems like schools are at this really important point in their evolution where they're trying to find a way to make things more practical for people. And I, I mean, yeah. I would imagine that goes all the way down to the elementary school level. It's certainly the case at colleges and universities and high schools is how do we not just teach things, but how do we, how do we get the people we're teaching to buy into the fact that this is worth trying to remember beyond this semester and what you're describing and, what an urban planning or again, urbanism, whatever you want to call this education is, is the practical application of all of these avenues 
into what I would consider just to be like life, right? Like we all have to move from point A to point B. Everyone will do that in one way or another throughout their life. We all have to understand how to be healthier, right? Mentally, physically, all these things. That is what you are kind of packaging up. And I always like to use the Trojan horse kind of analogy for a lot of these things, but it's like, hey, kid thinks that they're, you know, kid or parent more so probably thinks that this is just a cute thing for their kid to do. But like, actually what's in here is all of this valuable stuff for life. And I don't mean that in a weird malicious way. I mean that in like a beautiful way of, hey, sometimes we learn best when like, it's not a direct, like, this is what you are receiving right now. This is what you are doing. This is what you're trying, but it's try this and let me know how you feel. And then the benefit that is understood or realized is far greater and wider than kind of was ever anticipated, you know? And I think that's really what I'm starting to, to come away with from this is like, that is what this is. Yeah. I think you've uh, pointed on the like double-edged sword of active transportation. It is, it is everything. And it is so hard to pin down, like what is the benefit that like resonates with you or resonates sure. with the specific audience? Because like I often say like active, like walking school buses and bike buses are the Swiss army knife to mm. any school issue. You're trying to deal with behavior issues. Walking school buses, bike buses. You're trying to deal with bullying issues. Walking school buses, bike buses, build stronger school communities. Absenteeism, you know, lack of physical activity, grades. You know, like there's so many different issues that like can be addressed just by going back to basics of like what we used to always do, which is like move together as a community yep. and not be driven individually in this like very isolating environment. Sure, sure. No, 100%. And yeah. the active transportation thing, I think, is still a conversation that we are warming up to here, right? Like even those that are interested in transportation and talking about better ways to move. I think the active side of it is something that we're still adopting as a culture, right? Looking at exercise as a more distributed act that occurs throughout a day in, in ingrained in your every kind of hourly uh, habitual routine versus a thing that is just a um, peak moment throughout the day where you exert yourself for a short amount of time and then you're sedentary the rest of it right like i, I think I, i've been using the example a lot recently of you know I, I don't have the exact numbers on this but i would i would reckon that the u.s far outpaces countries like the netherlands and other northern european countries in gyms per capita right like I would, I would guess we're beating a lot of places in how many gyms that we have, you know, littered throughout our 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 land here. Yet those countries are far and away healthier populations. And so if you step back and go, wait, I've been told my whole life that gym equals health, and it does in a lot of ways. This is not a hate hate speech here on gyms in any capacity. It's more a an indictment on, I think, the way that the American lifestyle overvalues some things and does, refuses to talk about other things like those countries that have walking and biking and, you know, whatever kind of movement it is built into the commute in the morning, the commute at night, the, you know, to and from between meetings, whatever it may be like. It's interesting how typically it seems like those places 
um, do a better job on metrics such as health, physical, mental, all those things. So I think like that's something that I want us to continue to do more research on, more, more conversating around, which is like, how does the picture of health have a role in our everyday, not only every day, but our everyday moments as well. And again, I think that's a lot of what you're getting at through, through the bike bus, which is, Hey, we can create some bookends to our day here, which can be really impactful for, for our physical health. So. Yeah. That's how I got started. Um, as a phys ed teacher in Boston, you know, you're trying to, you know, 60 minutes of physical activity a day for children Mm -hmm. is really important. And when you work at a school where you only see the kids once a week for PE for 45 minutes and they have recess once a day for 15 minutes, like these kids aren't going home and playing on all these extracurricular teams. Like they're going home and staying at home. And so it's like, how do you build in that physical activity into their day? And so if they can walk to school and walk home 20 minutes each way, like they're there, you know, like they're, you know, they're at that, you know, 60 minutes. And so I think finding these opportunities and helping to support them really just helps build and foster those uh, routines and those skills and just normalize it. Most definitely. So all that in mind, the physical side, the mental side, the disciplinary, you know, helpful side with helping raise, you know, good and solid citizens of a school, of a community, all those things taken into account. Where, what is kind of your aim and ambition with how this grows? Like both your kind of personal footprint on it in your community, but then also kind of around the U.S. Because I think, like you've said, there's there's room for communities of all shapes and sizes to do a variation of what you all have successfully done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think promoting and championing, you know, more people to do these types of initiatives. And if you can do it once, great. But really, the magic happens when you can do it on a more consistent basis. You know, weekly is ideal, monthly is great, court, you know, seasonally is also great, and you just see those growths. Um, you know, I think it's, it's you know, all of these um, actions are, you know, it's a call to action to our city leaders to improve infrastructure, but also to, like, center children in your planning. You know, think about children and their mobility as like the top, as what is most important. Like we should be caring and thinking about kids, you know, way more than the, uh, you know, desires of people to drive and, you know, how fast they can go and that being the top priority. You know, it's half joking, but it's very serious. Like we can make it safer and um, easier for children to walk and bike to school and nobody's going to lose their homes to do it. Yeah, but, you know, there are tons of highway projects where we have demolished entire communities to make it easier for people to drive. And even though nobody's houses are getting, you know, demolished to uh, so it's easier and safer for kids to walk and ride bikes to school. Sadly, there just like isn't that political will yet. And I think, you know, when you see these images of children riding in masses to school, it is really this wake up call to our leaders to pay attention and to prioritize and to think of kids when they plan. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And like we talked about, right, the, the trickle down or trickle up from that is also massive in terms of how it, you know, gives agency to not only the kids, but their families, their parents and our communities as a whole. So I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful place to start. I'm grateful you're the one leading it. it seems like you have a lot of passion for it. And I'm, I'm pumped, um, you know, to see that we have people like yourself that are doing this in pockets throughout the U.S. and eventually will close the gaps on where it's happening and where it isn't and continue to see it, it taken over, which I'm sure you're more excited and eager than anyone to, to get to that point. I got to ask you, um, I know you were here in Tempe a couple weeks ago checking out cul-de-sac and, and kind of you know exploring the, the college town that's surrounded by some interesting development and, and things of that nature that are happening. And we were talking a little before the podcast about some thoughts you had on, on the college town and just being in Tempe, being in cul-de-sac. I, I would love to hear just kind of your, your brief thoughts on, on that whole experience and maybe if there was anything you connected between you know being in, in the, the first car-free neighborhood in the, in the U.S. and what you're building back in Portland. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's lots of things I really like, like the light rail line, you know, just the amount of amenities that are all connected on that one line was just incredible to see how you could go to, you know, both stadiums, the campus, the airport, cul-de-sac, and like many other places. Um, I think, you know, as a parent, I sort of often think about like the stress of your children moving around in public space. And, you know, it's like, where are the cars? Because that's, clearly, you know, the biggest concern that we have. And just like being at cul-de-sac, I wasn't there with my kids, but being like, geez, it would be so nice to just like give the kids like these clear boundaries. And then like, you don't need to worry about anything. You know, they could walk down, go to the convenience store and walk back, or they could go pick up food, you know, at the restaurant and, I think, you know, that's just something really nice how like family friendly that space could be um, and is. Um, and then just like, you know, of course, Tempe is like a college town. So it's, you know, very walkable and it's really a great place to go visit. Yeah, well, I'm super glad you had a good time and, and enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, hope, hope you're back soon checking it out. I'm sure the weather was also a nice little piece uh, that uh, doesn't hurt for sure. Yeah, definitely. So the last question that I like to ask everyone on the show, throughout all the places you've lived, all the jobs you've done, all the school, whatever it may be, what has been your favorite commute that you've ever had? Your favorite movement from point A to point B on a regular basis that you've ever um, undertook or continued to undertake um, in any of the places that you've lived? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I've always, I really enjoyed my bike rides in Boston, um, for my school was in Roxbury and I was living in Brighton for a while and it was sort of like to take the tea, you'd have to go all the way into the city and all the way out. And it was mm -hmm. this nice, like four mile bike ride. And it was just, I did not have an electric bike then. And I just like, you know, rain or shine or snow, whatever it was, like the bike was the like fastest way to get there. And I break a really good sweat and I'm just like, give myself time on both ends. And I really love that bike ride. You know, it's sort of like 
you just pack the right gear and if it's pouring rain, you'll get to your, you know, I'd get to school and I'd change clothes in the bathroom and, um, you know, going home, same thing. And, you know, in the winter time, I would just put studded tires on my bike and you're just like committed. You know, you're yeah. biking in zero degree weather and you just wear the right clothes because it's the best option. Um, I always love that. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a good example. I know even those of us that are in this world, in this space of helping commutes go better and, and wanting to optimize that, even we don't often slow down, I think, to think about our movement from point A to point B and how, you know, we can have some great memories doing that sort of thing. And I think that's what good traffic's all about is putting more emphasis on the movement to and from and not just those destinations. So um, that's good to hear. Good to hear that you have one that popped into your brain as, as one that you look back on positively. And hopefully the bike bus would also be up there. And, and I'm sure you got you got some good adventures that uh, you could talk about. And, and, I, and I, I love hearing about all of them. So um, thank you so much again for all this. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, and yeah, I'm really pumped about what you're building up there. And I hope that we start seeing it in, in other places like even Phoenix, where it's scary to think about a herd of kids on the road for a lot of folks and understandably, cause it, these roads are terrifying in most places in this Metro. But, uh, I think there's huge upside in even places like this to start testing out. So yeah, call, call it on it folks, take some initiative. <laughs> yeah. Reach out coach Balto. All the social medias, I you have to be the help. And Brad, when you come up to Portland, you're gonna have to ride it for yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I was gonna say I'll be there in, in a couple weeks here, so we'll we'll plan something if we can, and uh, and definitely go on a little ride. That'd be fun. I'd love that. Awesome. Is there anywhere else that people can you know get at get at you or look look you up at and uh, get in contact, or just the social medias? Yeah, social medias are great, and. Uh, yeah, check out bikebus.world and sign up to learn more. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Awesome. I'll link those all below for sure. And uh, definitely, definitely required reading for anyone that's listened to this whole episode. You, I would hope that you'd be ecstatic to do that. If you're not, go check it out and then you will be. So um, yeah, Coach Sam, thank you so much for uh, your time today. And uh, really excited to see the good traffic that you keep creating up there in the Pacific Northwest.